Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. If you would like a candle or Bible, I invite you to pause this recording and go and get those, and then return. Our texts this morning are from the Letter to the Romans, chapter 7, verses 15 through 25, and from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. My sermon is titled, Love of Freedom. As we continue to hold worship services virtually, we want to make sure the 7th Avenue community thrives and stays connected. In response to the survey that was sent out, we will begin having virtual small group gatherings each month. The first one will be Thursday, July 16th at 8 p.m. If you are interested, click on the link in the announcements to be added to the small group mailing list. We will also have an 11 a.m. social hour on Zoom the last Sunday of each month. We invite you to put July 26th on your calendar. On another note, if you have been financially impacted as a result of the pandemic and are in need of assistance, please contact the church office. For our complete announcements, click the related hyperlink in your email. And now, in preparation to worship, you are invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God. We, weary and heavy laden, are called to repose. We, lost and confused, are offered rest for our souls. We, your people, gather together to learn the ways of life and love in which you long for us to walk. i so- 
direction and purpose for our lives, and occasionally see clear the way before us. For these times we are grateful, but too often the way seems hidden and your call ambiguous. Teach us to recognize your presence and live into the wisdom that is vindicated by deeds. Amen. You see us wandering and show us the way. You hear us wondering and give us yourself. Believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are loved, guided, and made new. Alleluia. Amen. A reading from Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 15. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God, source of all light, by your word you give light to the soul. Pour out upon us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be open to know your word for us this day. In the name of the risen one, we pray. Amen. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But, in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good that I want, 
but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I am a slave to the law of God. But with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. In our darkest night, you can. 
A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, the 11th chapter. Listen for the word of God. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The son of humanity came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, God, creator of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and from the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, God, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my God, and no one knows the Son except the Creator, and no one knows the Creator except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here ends the reading. In every human breast, God has implanted a principle, which we call love of freedom. It is impatient of oppression and pants for deliverance. And by the leave of our modern Egyptians, I will assert that the same principle lives in us. These are the words of Phyllis Wheatley, written in 1774, the same year she was freed from slavery. She wrote them in a letter to the Reverend Samson Ockham, an ordained Presbyterian minister who was a member of the Mohegan tribe. The buoyant dream of knowing she was freed quickly dissipates with the unraveling layers of cruelty beneath even this brief historical note. Layers to be understood in how she was captured as a child at seven years old from West Africa. Layers about how white men and women vacillated on her value when they were willing to throw her away and when they were determined to keep her and the notoriety of her poetic genius. Layers in her name, Wheatley, and those who dared own her, at least until they neared death. Layers in who determined how her story was to be told, and whether she was worthy of remembrance, whether she was on the right side of history. There are layers to be understood in what was happening in 1774, with the Revolutionary War, and all the enslaved who for decades to follow with great dignity and unimaginable courage petitioned those in power to recognize the hypocrisy of slavery and the plain contradictions in our famous founders' professions amidst its practice. Yet the oppression of slavery continued to be sanctioned for nearly another hundred years and never fully stopped. 
There are layers of cruelty to be understood in the Christianization of native peoples. Layers beneath the inequity for those who, like Samson Occam, became ministers. Layers all mixed up with messages of acceptance and liberation. Out of all that mud, Phyllis Wheatley's words ring clear, reaching what has been implanted by God in every human breast, in the hearts of Phyllis and Samson, and still lives. This 4th of July weekend feels different, though for some it always did. Its fairy dust quickly dissipates when more layers of oppression are no longer covered over by messages of liberation. In 1852, Frederick Douglass was asked to speak in Rochester, New York, on what to the slave is the 4th of July. I can't imagine that it wasn't at great personal risk for him to say what he did. And yet he spoke with such resolve and kept going. He says, whether we turn to the declarations of the past or to the professions of the present, the conduct of the nation seems equally hideous and revolting. America is false to the past, false to the present, and solemnly binds herself to be false to the future. He goes on to say, standing with God and the crushed and bleeding slave on this occasion, I will, in the name of humanity which is outraged, in the name of liberty which is fettered, in the name of the Constitution and the Bible, which are disregarded and trampled upon, dare to call in question and to denounce, with all the emphasis I can command, everything that serves to perpetuate slavery, the great sin and shame of America. He proclaims, Oh, had I the ability, and could I reach the nation's ear, I would. Today, pour out a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm, and stern rebuke. For it is not light that is needed, but fire. It is not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, and the earthquake. The feeling of the nation must be quickened. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The propriety of the nation must be startled. The hypocrisy of the nation must be exposed. And its crimes against God and man must be proclaimed and denounced. Like a river stone turned over and over in the palm of the hand, our readings from Romans and Matthew search our depths, mud and all. They tap our dishonesty, where we have alienated ourselves from our own wisdom, and the wisdom of spiritual giants who have come before us. They tease out where our righteous words 
have diverged from our actions. They offer a mirror to our own question. Is change possible? With all of Paul's analytical skill, he explores the internal and external powers that influence our decisions and the ongoing war at play within each of us. Anchored in the philosophy of his day, he does his best to make us believe transformation is possible, that the war might end, that being in the world aligned with our spirit and the spirit of God is possible. However challenging it is, to let die those things that are in competition with life. It is the work, he is convinced, we are called to do. And those places of death paradoxically become where we meet God. In our dying is our rising. In Matthew, like Frederick Douglass' stream of fire, comes Jesus' words calling out hypocrites, left and right. Whatever people say they are longing for, they reject it as tainted when it arrives. Attachment to symbols of superiority has obstructed what has been in clear view for some time. The wisdom of those cast aside as lowly, and leaders who have been called wise and intelligent, but who have long abandoned their posts. Of their religious leaders, Jesus says, do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. If ever there were words of rebuke, those were they. As powerfully as Jesus brings the storm, he offers the shelter of compassion. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus requires more than the religious authorities. Yet this is where we find rest for the soul. For as it turns out, it is a relief to be able to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. It is a relief to be able to live aligned with the wisdom of our depths and not to have to do it alone. This is the balm of Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul. This is John the Baptist. This is Frederick Douglass. This is Phyllis Wheatley reaching through the mud to what has been implanted in every human heart and still lives.
We believe in a God who is deeper than any image or word we may utter, who is broader than any concept we can construct, who is wider than any theology or theory we may believe. We believe in a God who knits the pieces of our lives together, inviting us into deeper intimacy with our past, leading us to the vulnerability of joy and sorrow, and who, through love, heals us. This we believe. Amen. So
We are called to love one another, and one of the ways we do that is pray. So let us join our hearts together offering prayers for the world, for the whole human family, and all of creation. God of life, you are with us in our dying and in our rising, in our joy and in our sorrow. We ask that you would tend this earth we call home. Sustain us. Enable us to catch a glimpse of your spirit moving in and through the life in our midst, through birdsong and sunlight, through the fresh breeze and flower blossoms. Help us remember the wisdom we glean from this moment. Let it open new doorways of community, care, and compassion for one another. We are told we are the body of Christ, so we pray for our siblings near and far, for those we know and for those we've never met. We pray for our 7th Avenue community throughout the Bay Area, across the U.S., and around the world. We pray for those in need of healing, for those longing for hope and trust, and for those offering support tending bodies and minds. We pray your spirit will bring possibility, healing, and hope. And now in silence, we voice our own prayers for the world, ourselves, and those we love. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Trust the wisdom of your heart. grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Amen.